Renegade Broadcasting. Hard-hitting talk radio. Welcome to the Solar Storm. This is your host, Kyle Hunt, coming to you May 23rd, 2021. Thank you so much for joining me here on RenegadeBroadcasting.com. And as always, check out RenegadeTribune.com, where there are a lot of great articles and different kinds of content going up there every single day. It's not just me, but also some other great contributors as well. Also, check out HeathenHerbs.com and pick up some great products for yourself and your loved ones, or even just random strangers. Buy them and give them out. Whatever's good for you. Today, I wanted to go through a number of different stories from this past week and just discuss some of the general things that are going on in the world. First off, I wanted to mention... A, a story that I've seen in a number of different places that just relates to the title of our show here at the Solar Storm. There's a lot of fear-mongering about what solar storms can do. This one is coming to us uh, from Penn Live. Actually, no, it's an Associated Press report that's published on Penn Live. Solar storms are back, threatening life on Earth as we know it. A few days ago, millions of tons of superheated gas shot off from the surface of the sun and hurtled 90 million miles towards Earth. The eruption, called a coronal mass ejection, first we had coronavirus, now we got coronal mass ejections threatening everything. It wasn't particularly powerful on the space weather scale, but when it hit the Earth's magnetic field, it triggered the strongest geomagnetic storm seen for years. There wasn't much disruption this time few people probably even knew it happened, but it served as a reminder the sun has woken from a years-long slumber. So it goes on and talks about how, while invisible and harmless to people living on Earth, the geomagnetic waves can cripple power grids. Oh, interesting. So if it's not ransomware that's going to infect some power grids, it could just be a solar storm that takes down the power grids. That would be a nice convenient excuse. And we'd really just have to trust their data that it was a solar storm that did it and not some, oh, people working within the great reset of the World Economic uh, Foundation. It, you know, it could just be a, a random act of nature of God. But guys, it's not just this one report. We're seeing this all over the place about how it could be a solar storm that's going to really cause havoc. Just think about it. 
coronavirus disrupts all these uh, supply lines and then a coronal mass ejection is going to wipe out some power grids and who knows what else it's just incredible isn't it bloomberg solar storms are back threatening power grids and satellites 18 hours ago uh, there's one about a crewed lunar mission that must launch by 2025 to avoid deadly solar storms. I guess they're just going to ramp up. Weather Boy from five days ago. Geomagnetic storm expected over the next 24 hours. 11 days ago, Aurora sighted in northern U.S. as powerful geomagnetic storm continues. 18, hour, 18 days ago, Weather Watch, the havoc caused by solar storms. Nine days ago, National Geographic. The sun is getting stormier and it'll just peak in time for a total solar eclipse. Nice. Yeah, it goes on and on. Uh, just people talking about this, for, at least for the past month, in a very serious way. I think it's just prepping us for some kind of contrived event. Now, that's not to say that solar storms might not actually cause some serious issues here on Earth, but I, for one welcome all that the sun has to give for us and i don't think that the sun will punish us but only give us opportunity blessings and life affirmation i love the sun okay i'm not scared of the sun that's all i'm trying to get across here and i'm not scared of the air either even with all the people who are super shedders out there after getting vaccinated i'm not going to put on mask to stop getting uh infected by them or whatever they might be doing with their with their spike proteins now i want to uh just share a couple little clips here that i had posted over on the tribune this first one is a little girl who just lets the adults have it i think this is probably a school board meeting or some kind of city council and it's a little blonde girl and she just goes off on these people and i think it's just so heartwarming and i think she's a little hero here so let's take a listen and I don't think barely anybody likes masks in schools. Their children are suffocating. You don't know what it feels like. And just, it's not in a sense. Seriously. Like, why would you do that? Why in the world would you do that? And, and God created us so we can be free people. And we're not being free here or at public schools. Okay? So I would take your masks off if I were you. And and I'm not wearing a mask right now, and I never will as much as I can. And, and George Washington made America so we could be free citizens of the United States of America. And the Statue of Liberty is for liberty and freedom, and we're not free. So maybe you just don't believe in George Washington or God, or like the boss of you or someone is controlling you. Stand up. Yes, the boss of you is controlling you. And who, oh, who is that boss of you? Now, this little girl, unfortunately, believes in George Washington trying to make us free and all that. But the Judeo-Freemasons have never had our interests at heart. And I'll actually talk about George Washington a little bit later. And also the Statue of Liberty, another Freemasonic statue there and that's actually not about liberty but about flooding this country with a bunch of uh, uh, poor desolate immigrants as the poem on the statue of liberty by what emma, emma lazarus is all about yeah let's just flood it with non-whites that's what liberty means to me all right now actually we have a 10 year old boy here who 
denounces his school board's mask mandate. And what's so sad is that they're, they're in some places saying, okay, next year you don't have to wear the mask. But until then, even though all these adults are unmasking, you children still have to wear it in school, you know, because we just can't move quickly enough to, you know, really review this and better safe than sorry. So this is in the Martin County School District. Let's listen into this young boy. And why is it just that the children are the ones who have to speak up? We need to have adults a year ago getting rowdy about this. Turned 10 years old. Just talk a little closer to that. So I just turned 10 years old, and I am a fourth grader at Felix A. Williams. I expected school to be a little bit different in the beginning, but I didn't think it would stay this way all year long, and I was surprised by the rules. A lot of them didn't make any sense to me, like the fact that we were not allowed to play on the playground or have student council or turn to face each other at lunch. And we also have to wear masks outside at P.E. and on track. I love my school and all, but my teachers seem really stressed, and that makes me feel bad. One teacher walks around with a clipboard full of referrals for any student whose mask isn't on properly. It makes me feel scared. That same teacher yells at us having our masks down to drink water while we are outside in Carline. She told us we had to wait until we were in our parents' car to have a drink of water. She had her mask down the entire time while she was yelling at us, which makes me and all my friends very mad. This happens a lot. And it seems unfair teachers take their masks off while, they're yell- while they yell at us kids and that we need to pull ours up. I asked my mom if there is a word for this, and she said there is. Hypocrisy. Wearing a mask all day makes me feel really tired and gives me really bad headaches. Sometimes I'm in school and I need to lay low in the dark until they're gone. My mask also sticks to my face when it's really hot and it makes it hard to breathe. I feel like I can't catch my breath and that makes me feel claustrophobic and anxious. It's really stressful. I finished taking all of my FSAs and I had a hard time focusing with a mask on. A few weeks ago, I ran into my teacher outside of school. She didn't even recognize me because she's never seen my face before. But I knew it was her because she sits at her desk a lot without a mask on. I know my teacher has asthma and everything, but I understand why it's hard for her to wear a mask. And I think she should have that choice. But I should too. I have allergies and I feel really anxious with my face covered. But I'm not allowed a mask break like her. It seems unfair. All this seems unfair, and it doesn't make sense. I miss seeing people's face. I miss the way things used to be. I'm scared they'll never go back to normal. Breathing freely doesn't seem like something we should have to ask any other people for permission for. Please make masks optional today. It would be so awesome to end the school year on a really happy note like that. Thank you for your time. Thank you, John. You did a good job. John did do a good job, and it's too bad that more people aren't doing a good job. But it does look like the masks soon might be coming to an end, at least for a little while. But that doesn't mean that the vaccines are not going to continue to be promoted, and especially to the young ones, even with all the adverse reactions. Even with the mainstream news stories that we're seeing come out about all the negative things that are happening to people. From the Daily Mail, CDC investigates dozens of reports of heart inflammation in teenagers and young adults 
after their second dose of Moderna or Pfizer vaccines. CDC looking into reports a small number of teens and young adults vaccinated against the coronavirus may have experienced heart problems. The condition, known as myocarditis, results in an inflammation of the heart muscle, which can occur following certain infections. Well, are they infecting us? Is that what's going on? Problems have been occurring four days after the second dose has been given. Dozens of cases have been reported to the agency in recent weeks. It is not clear yet which vaccine might be responsible, Moderna or Pfizer. The agency's vaccine safety group was sparse in detail, saying only that there were relatively few cases and levels were similar to normal. group also said that the conditions may be entirely unrelated to the vaccination. Oh, I'm sure. You can't prove the causal link. No, no. It's, it's just a coinkydink. I also saw a news story about how the Red Cross is um, not allowing uh, vaccinated people to get to get blood. And that's because the vaccine is actually killing natural antibodies in your blood. Isn't that something? Okay, so there's a fact check here. Although I saw a news clip about this. So Reuters is saying that actually you are able to donate plasma. Let's see here. But maybe just not to people who are suffering from COVID. So Reuters is going to fact check me. Fact check. Red Cross is accepting plasma from people vaccinated against COVID-19. This was from uh, updated 19 days ago. The American Red Cross confirmed to Reuters that they are allowing people who have received the COVID-19 vaccine to donate plasma, the liquid component in blood, contrary to claims on social media that this plasma is not being accepted because the vaccine is so untested. The confusion may have arisen over the Red Cross's policy of on convalescent plasma, meaning plasma that has COVID-19 antibodies after a recent infection and can be used as a treatment for COVID-19 infection. The American Red Cross's current policy is to only accept convalescent plasma donations from people who have recovered from COVID-19 and not had the vaccine. Although if plasma donated by people vaccinated against COVID-19 has a high level of COVID-19 antibodies, it may be used as convalescent plasma. Okay. So the news report that I saw, and which I don't have handy right here, said it was because uh, the vaccine kills natural antibodies. Isn't that something? Isn't that just wild? Let me actually pull that up for you here. Just give me one moment and I'll get that for you. All right, I got it. Check this out. Your COVID-19 vaccine, you're going to want to listen to this. The Red Cross says anyone who has received their COVID-19 vaccine cannot donate convalescent plasma to help other COVID-19 patients in hospitals. That plasma is made up of antibodies from people who have recovered from the virus, but the vaccine wipes out those antibodies, making the convalescent plasma ineffective in treating other COVID-19 patients. Wait, your COVID-19 whoa, 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 vaccine, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're... whoa, whoa, whoa. It wipes out the natural antibodies that are needed to battle off COVID-19. Could this be why we saw that report about how 60 to 70 percent of the new cases we're going to see, the new, the fourth wave of COVID patients, are going to be from people who have been vaccinated? Remember that one? I published it on the Tribune. It, could this be why? Isn't that interesting? 
Now, we're seeing uh, a bunch of vaccine lotteries taking place now. Four different states now have uh, vaccine lotteries so that people can, can, you know, really gamble with their lives in order to win some money. Yep, Maryland, Ohio, and New York are uh, planning to increase their vaccination rates with a vaccine lottery. What's the, what's the fourth one here? I don't know. Anyway, uh, I'm sure you could take a look into it. I, isn't that just awesome, though? A vaccine lottery, just to, to make sure that you, know, you have the opportunity to win some cash. It really incentivizes people to, to vax up in order to increase the herd immunity. They're doing this all for our the, the greater good. And the greatest part about this, they've got to be using uh, the, the taxpayer's money to bribe people, right? It's not just like they're going to spend their own money to do this. They're using taxpayer money in order to bribe the taxpayer to get vaccinated, really get this uh, experimental gene therapy with the mRNA technology that could cause prion disease and and become completely lethal. We don't know because there haven't been any long-term studies. It's completely experimental, which is why a lot of employers are probably not mandating the, the vax right now. Some are, but they realize, as they've been warned by OSHA, that they could be held liable. Not the vaccine manufacturers, but the employers, if they mandate the vaccine, that then becomes a workplace risk. Now, let's take a look at the story from uh, the Washington Post. Most employers shy away from mandating COVID vaccines. The email set, set out an ambitious and uncompromising goal. Get vaccinated or get ready to find another job. We must lead by example and get vaccinated ourselves, Houston Methodist CEO Mark Boom, insane Christ cuck, wrote to his managers on March 31st. Boom's vaccine mandate is among only a handful issued by healthcare institutions in America, while more than 380 colleges and universities, geez, generally in blue states and a few travel companies have imposed vaccine mandates. Most other employers have held back, worried about the difficult politics surrounding the coronavirus vaccines and the untested legal issues involving vaccines cleared under the FDA's emergency author, uh, authority. Just had a cat jump up next to me here. Boom's mandate worked. More than 98% of the hospital's 26,000 employees are now vaccinated ahead of a June 7th deadline, including more than 3,000 who got the shots after Boom's call to action. But the hospital chain fired its director of corporate risk and insurance for refusing to get inoculated and is now facing a broader backlash. The director of corporate risk and insurance, like, I'm not going to get it. Probably thought it was a really bad idea for them to mandate it as well. Several employees are vowing to skip the shot rallying around Jennifer Bridges, a nurse who has worked in the hospital's coronavirus unit and who is threatening to sue. Bridges says she's willing to, willingly submitted to every vaccine known to man, but believes the coronavirus vaccine needs further study. Okay, she's willingly just said, all the other ones, yeah, inject it right into me. But this one's different, I guess. Now, that does actually say a lot. If somebody was willing to get injected with all these other vaccines and is like, whoa, whoa, hold up on this one, then maybe it should give us a little bit of pause that this one could be even way worse than the other ones, which are already very, very bad. 
Now we've got uh, Senator Rand Paul saying that he's not getting vaccinated. Now, here's the thing. Rand Paul had come out before and talked about how people continuing the mask policy was going to cause others not to get vaccinated, making it seem like the vaccine was just a really good thing. Here, here's a short clip of somebody reporting on this. Senator Rand Paul said Sunday that he will not be getting vaccinated against COVID-19. During an interview with John Casamitas on his radio show on the WABC 770 AM, Paul, an ophthalmologist, said he's making the personal decision because he's already had COVID-19. Paul tested positive for COVID-19 in March 2020. At the time, he was the first known senator to have contracted the disease. So Paul has been this contrarian on the hill. And he is, uh, he's always sparring with Fauci. And people might look up to him as a hero. But as I said, before, he was criticizing the mask policy because it wasn't going to cause enough people to trust the vaccine. Now he himself is coming out, oh, I'm not going to get it. Well, a lot of people who have been listening to Dr. Paul might have uh, themselves decided to go get the vaccine and forego wearing the mask. But now he's saying, well, for me, my choice is not to get it. He said on Sunday that it should be a personal choice. He said, in a free country, you would think people would honor the idea that each individual get to make the medical decision, that it wouldn't be a big brother coming to tell me what I have to do. Are they also going to tell me that I can't have a cheeseburger for lunch? Are they going to tell me that I have to eat carrots only and cut out my calorie, cut my calories? All that would probably be good for me, but I don't think big brother ought to tell me to do it. Still, he's trying to make it seem like... Uh, being required to get the vaccine is like being required to have a healthy diet. It'd be good for me, but I shouldn't have to do it. No, the vaccine is an experimental toxic stew that's going to hijack somebody's own DNA, it seems. Who knows? Who knows what it's doing? Really, how are we supposed to know? Just trust the scientists. Trust the data. They don't even have long-term data. They don't have good safety studies. We have a lot of good evidence that it's really harming a lot of people, though. All right, let's now turn to another Congress critter here. And that would be Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's so based. She's over on Gab, who's raised a bunch of money on Gab. So based, though. And she's under fire by those loony lefties, right? She's triggering them. Why? Why is she under fire? Well, because she's comparing the mask policy to the Holocaust. All right, let's read a little bit here from The Hill. So, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, a Republican from Georgia, is again finding herself at the center of controversy after she compared House Democrats' policy to the Holocaust. Green raised eyebrows Friday when she called Speaker Nancy Pelosi mentally ill and compared the House rules on masks to a time in history when people were told to wear a gold star and they were definitely treated like second-class citizens, so much so that they were put in trains and taken to gas chambers in Nazi Germany. Oh, she's invoking the Holocaust and talking about the fake gas chambers. Oh, those comments sparked broad back, uh, pushback with critics saying that comparison to the Holocaust was beyond the pale. And the American Jewish Congress here tweeted... You can never compare health-related restrictions with yellow stars, gas chambers, and other, other Nazi atrocities. Such comparisons demean the Holocaust and contaminate American political speech. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene must immediately retract and apologize. 
she's affirming the Holocaust. Oh, and here she is uh, speaking at an event with a Stand with Israel uh, placard in front of the podium and a big Jew star. Oh, man. Anybody that promotes this Marjorie Taylor Greene needs to, needs to get their head checked or they're just straight up shilling. Now, let's, uh, let's change gears real quickly here. Uh, not really. We're staying with the, uh, the whole health-related theme. But this is just a ridiculous story I saw today from the Daily Star. Groundbreaking smart toilet takes photos of your poo to send to doctors for analysis. Now, there are some things that obviously can be learned from somebody's feces, but the amount of monitoring that they're promoting here, where, oh yeah, doctors just need to be able to see what's going on with every aspect of your uh, health. You need to wear a digital device. Eventually, you're going to get it implanted. And we need to also take pictures of your poop to determine whether or not you're sick and uh, how your health's going. Yeah, this sounds like a great future we're headed towards with the groundbreaking smart toilet. The new technology, which includes a computer algorithm to examine the poo, has been called groundbreaking after its ability to send it straight to the GP to look at. <laughs> Can you imagine being a, being a doctor and just continuously getting uh, photos of your patient's poop to take a look at? Yeah. Sounds like a great job. Maybe if you're Jewish. Oh, I've done shows on how they love their feces. Wouldn't be surprised if they were the ones who came up with this. And by the way, you can detect COVID from poop. It's the best way to do it, apparently. And that's why they had all those anal swabs going on in China. Now let's take a look at uh, what's going on over in over in Europe with some some churches. Yeah, so these base churches. So there's a supposedly a woke vicar who is replacing some of these carvings at a 900-year-old church that have been damaged. He's going to be replacing them with uh, black, Asian, and minority ethnic figures, along with, I guess, some uh, celebrated feminists as well. That's being uh, that's taking place at St. Mary's Church in Beverly, and it's been approved by the Church of England. So that's great. You go into church and you uh, get to worship some BAME figures, black, Asian, and minority ethnic yeah, so woke. Man, but Christianity really is like the last bastion of white identity. Really, it really is. All right, now let's turn to um, some other kind of worship that we see going on. There's this uh, rabbi, Zuckerman, and he offered a worshipful sermon to his Israeli son's M16. This is, uh, this is pretty great, uh, reported on from Mondo Weiss. Last Saturday, a leading New York rabbi urged his conservative congregation to loudly, vociferously, vehemently use every means we have to defend the right of Israel to defend herself against celebrity critics in the United States. Who are the real celebrity critics? And a dozen times in his sermon, Rabbi Neil Zuckerman expressed worshipful feelings about his Israeli soldier's M16, uh, Israeli soldier son's M16 because it represents the miracle of Jewish power. Zuckerman told his Park Avenue synagogue congregation that he stared at his son's gun as it lay on the floor of his Jerusalem hotel uh, two weeks ago when his son stayed with him. I headed to the patio, and there it was, his gun, his M16 on the floor. Now, 
for Israeli parents, this might not be such a big deal to see a child's gun from the army. But I'm not used to having a gun in my hotel room. Nor am I used to seeing my son carry that gun all over Jerusalem. So I sat down for a few minutes and I just considered what I was looking at. I thought about an essay my teacher Rabbi Daniel Hartman wrote several years ago called My Gun. And where he describes the ambivalence he feels about having owning a gun. I thought about the pride I felt in my son choosing to defend the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Mostly I thought about being in the land of Israel and the tension as I looked at my son and the gun between power and powerlessness. (laughs) So he's done this a number of times and he just continuously just talks about how amazing it is that he has the gun and so many people are trying to destroy Israel to wipe Israel off the map. That's all they're about. How much Jewish blood is enough that we would receive the blessing of a television comedian? (laughs) He's talking about uh, some appearance on uh, Trevor Noah. Jews, Noah's really saying, at least my read, I'm uncomfortable with your power and how you use it. Oh, yeah. Trevor Noah is so critical of Jewish power. Yeah. Anyway, that's enough of this guy. But, yeah, he's he's just enamored with his son's gun. Yeah, that sounds good. Here's a now so that was a conservative. Now here's a liberal rabbi in the US calling on his liberal friends to stand up against a hostile press as if the the press was not Jewish. And another one being reported on from Mondo Weiss. Uh, Israel's latest war has proved to be a PR disaster. Geraldo Rivera has accused Israel of war crimes on Fox News. Oy vey. John Oliver has made the same accusation on HBO. I they, they're not really serious critics of Israel. MSNBC pundits Reed and Velshi are speaking openly of apartheid. Oy vey, oh, the white supremacists. Trevor Noah said that Israel has not shown responsibility for its power to hurt Gazans. Even public radio hosts are expressing skepticism about the country's goals. That's a clarion call for U.S. Jews to stand completely behind their Israeli siblings, the leader of the largest U.S. group, uh, Jewish group says. On a May 13th call about the conflict, Rabbi Rick Jacobs of the Union for Reform Judaism said the moral issues here are simple. It's time for American Jews to show solidarity and love with Israel by countering that bad press. This is a moment, friends, that isn't complicated. This is about the deepest connection that we feel with our siblings in Israel. And they are under attack and we stand completely with them. There will be time for complex discussions and arguments and debates later. So, Jacobs brought up the new Pew survey of Jewish life, showing strong support for Israel. Our movement is still the largest movement in Jewish life, and to this moment, and its largest uh, Zionist movement, and 8 out of 10 of those surveyed said that Israel was essential, was critical. We feel that, and we need to express that. So 80% of Jews really feel that Israel is super essential. I bet it's even more than that. Even though at least something like 80% of Jews in the United States are are liberals. Oh, and we're against racism and apartheid and all this white supremacy. But Jewish supremacy, that's a okay. We need that. 
I want to give just one piece of work to everyone on this call today. In terms of the media, I think we are losing ground. I don't think our case is being made well in media and social media. So let's all take it upon ourselves to be the people who communicate with our circles, our communities, and raise the voice of solidarity and love. We are with all our siblings. The, the media isn't shilling hard enough for Rabbi Jacobs. You need to just give so much Hebrew Hasbro to your community that it just overwhelms everybody. You can't even you can't even have any kind of uh, uh, group discussions about Israel without getting shouted down by Jewish megaphones. Oh, yeah, you're an anti-Semite. Whoa, Hasbro's everywhere. That's what they want. They want to have Hasbro just being blasted at us from every single direction. Grassroots Hasbro. Mass media Hasbro. Online Hasbro. Hasbro everywhere. All right. Now, I uh, just wanted to uh, give you a little clip about you know something that everybody already knows, and that's the fact that uh, Alex Jones is, is an Israeli shill. And, of course, with the recent conflict, he had to kick his shilling into a little bit of overdrive here. I'm pragmatically trying to look at this, but then... The anti-Israel crowd doesn't do themselves any favors in that they're not fair or reasonable or accurate about what they say about people in the coverage of Israel. It's kind of like liberals. Accept their ideology or you're a Nazi. Accept their ideology or you're an Israeli shill. Accept their ideology. And all these groups want to bully you that we're going to call you this big power name. We're going to call you an Israeli shill that supposedly has all this power if you don't do what we want. Well, then I am an Israeli shill. There, there you go. It's not true. Never been to Israel. But if it makes you feel powerful, if that takes your power word away, I'll do it. So the only way you can be an Israeli shill is if you go to Israel. Alex has never been to Israel, okay? He can't be an Israeli shill. Here's a story that I found kind of interesting. Dock workers refused to load weapons bound for Israel. <clears throat> so this all started with Italian Dock Workers Union. It kind of set off a chain reaction. They refused to load a shipment of weapons onto a vessel bound for Israel. So then South Africa and California started joining in. And some workers were not loading weapons. <laughs> How many weapons are getting sent over to Israel from all these different places. What what are they planning here? They don't have enough weapons? Uh, we haven't given them enough here from the United States? Whoa. Okay, so they're I guess they're arming up, but some people are stepping in and saying, no, we're not going to send the arms to Israel. So then what happened was uh, Israel's largest trade union ordered dock workers to decline service to all Italy-bound ships. So... Yeah, some interesting things going on there. The Italian embassy in Israel then stepped in to ensure that the USB would end its boycott, which allowed the um, the Israeli group to do the same. So I guess the, the boycott's over. Oh, and also there's a ceasefire between Gaza and Israel, and supposedly both sides are claiming victory. Yeah, so they're going to stop uh, bombing and murdering uh, Gazans for a little while. Uh, that's, I guess, good news. Probably the bad PR didn't help them. Let's take a look at uh, this story from the Sunday Times. Placards with anti-Jewish hatred mar protests by tens of thousands. So this is one of those oy vey moments where they're, 
the people who are protesting Israel are falling right into the Jews' hands. They're they're putting out Jewish messaging, essentially. Kind of like Marjorie Taylor Greene was doing before. The man standing on a lion statue in Trafalgar Square yesterday held a Palestinian flag. Beneath him, a placard read, Stop doing what Hitler did to you! A poster held up by a woman read, Israel, the new Nazi state! The pair were among tens of thousands of protesters who took to the streets in London and Manchester yesterday over the conflict in Gaza. One placard in the capital referred to Holocaust Part 2, while another, pictured by the charity campaign against anti-Semitism, referred to Israel's Prime Minister. It read, Netanyahu surpasses Hitler in barbarism. (laughs) Oh yeah, he's the next Hitler. This is groundbreaking. So that's what we're seeing a lot of. That's the kind of uh, narrative we're being fed that uh, the Israelis are... (laughs) If you think the Israelis bad, it's because they're acting like the Nazis. Because the Nazis are the most evil thing ever. So let's turn to uh, another story here about Jewish suffering. No remorse in New York City pummeling. I would do it again. Suspect accused of pummeling New York City Jewish man shows no remorse. And so it's this Arab guy wearing a uh, a Palestine shirt. Really, that's all. I, that's all we need to hear about from that story. But here's the thing: the Jews who are getting beat up in uh, New York City and elsewhere and in Europe. They're not getting beat up by white people. They're not going to mention this in the articles, but you take a look at the photos, you take a look at the names. White people aren't beating them up. It's mainly Arabs. Sometimes it's blacks in places like New York City. They're the ones who are attacking the Jews. Now, the Jews are the ones who did everything possible to advocate for the United States getting flooded with Arabs and others, of course. And also, they're the ones who have been riling up the blacks. So they've caused this. Of course, they're going to blame us for all of it, but they're the ones who have caused this. And not just by bringing all these people in and riling them up, but also they've caused this because of the actions of Israel, because of their own actions as Jewish supremacists. So we're supposed to feel super, super sorry for the Jews, oh, because a few Jews got punched. Why don't why doesn't the Jewish media report on when white people are attacked all the damn time? Because they hate us and they're trying to genocide us. That's the answer. But let's take a look at um, another story here, and it's titled "Can America Be America When Jews Are Beaten in the Streets?" George Washington's promise to American Jews helped define this nation. Breaking that promise would define us again. So it's just going on about, oh, the suffering. It happened again as war raged between Hamas and Israel over there in the Middle East. We watched in horror as American Jews were beaten right here in American streets. Thursday evening, a gang of men beat a Jewish man in Midtown. On Tuesday, a gang attacked Jewish diners at a sushi restaurant in L.A. Synagogues were vandalized in Skokie, Tucson, and Salt Lake. What about all the different white establishments that were targeted by BLM while the Jewish press was going, yes, good, good, liberation. I say again because we must not forget the wave of anti-Semitic violence before the pandemic. So he goes on and on. And then the article references 
some correspondences between a congregation in uh, Newport, Rhode Island. It's uh, Yeshua Israel. Oh, and Newport was huge with the Jewish community. And that's where a lot of the slave, uh, slave trade and auction was going on, was up in Newport, which is why, you know, the Newport cigarettes being popular with the blacks is, is kind of a, uh, a, little, a little funny thing there. Funny. And, of course, the Jews were the ones running all of the slave trade. And they're still running the blacks today. They're little black minions. For the most part, some blacks are, are wise to the fact that uh, the Jews are the ones ruling over us. And unfortunately, not enough white people have caught on to that. And they want to stand behind Marjorie Taylor Greene, who stands for the greatest allies in Israel. So uh, this congregation in 1790 wrote a letter to Washington, and he got it the next day. And he visited the town, and when the Christian clergy... Uh, I guess the Christian clergy delivered the message. It's a marvelous artifact of 18th century communication. After a brief salutation, it begins with a statement of, of affection for the president, the, the Judeo-Mason. So this is what the congregation wrote. With pleasure, reflect on those days, those days of difficulty and danger when the God of Israel, who delivered David from the peril of the sword, shielded your head in the day of battle. And we rejoice to think that the same spirit who rested in the bosom of the greatly beloved Daniel, enabling him to preside over the providence of the Babylonish Empire, rests and ever will rest upon you, enabling you to discharge the arduous duties of the chief magistrate in these states. So the rest of the letter is uh, not a plea for liberty, but rather a recognition of the founding values, it says. We now behold a government erected by the majesty of the people, a government which to bigotry gives no sanction, to persecution no assistance, but generously affording to all liberty of conscience and immunities of citizenship. Well, obviously they did not recognize the blacks as people who deserve to have uh, liberty because obviously at the time the government was actually um, sanctioning bigotry and persecution, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, Washington did answer the letter he said all the all possess alike liberty of conscience and immunities of citizenship and he closed by saying may the children of the stock of abraham who dwell in this land continue to merit and enjoy the goodwill of the other inhabitants well it was up to them to make sure that they engendered the goodwill of the other inhabitants and they failed miserably okay well everyone shall sit in safety under his own vine and fig tree, and there shall be none to make him afraid. May the Father of all mercies scatter light and not darkness in our paths, and make us all in our several vocations useful here, and in his own due time and way everlastingly happy. Can the Jews actually be happy, even when they have 2,800 goyim slaves in their end times? Do you think they would actually be happy and content, or would they just be convetching all the damn time? I think they're happy when they're convetching. I think they're happy when they're persecuted. It's a sick, kind of sadomasochistic mindset from these people, in my opinion. Now, let's take a look at uh, a little bit of Jewish chutzpah here. And that would be this guy, Joel Greenberg, who's all 
caught up in this Matt Gates scandal and how he kept committing crimes well after he learned that the feds were investigating him because he probably figured he was untouchable. This is from the Orlando Sentinel. On an April morning in 2019, federal agents walked into the tax collector's office in Lake Mary and handed an employee a grand jury subpoena that revealed for the first time that the U.S. Department of Justice was investigating whether Joel Greenberg had used public money to benefit himself. I've been to Lake Mary many, many times. It's not too far from us. That initial request for records related to Greenberg's spending and investments it was revealed in a plea agreement uh, Greenberg struck with prosecutors, which resulted in him pleading guilty to six federal crimes this week and agreeing to cooperate against other potential targets. The deal showed that federal investigators had been interested in Greenberg far earlier than previously uh, confirmed. But perhaps more stunning is that it also showed Greenberg continued breaking the law for months after he first knew there was a federal investigation targeting him. That investigation eventually led to an array of federal charges against him over the two years after the subpoena arrived, including for using his public office to create fake IDs, using public money to engage in sex trafficking with an underage girl, and bribing a government official. Well, thanks, Jew. What way to use the taxpayers' money? But do you think that this is an anomaly? Do you think that maybe the people who are using the taxpayers' money in Washington are pretty much doing the same thing but at a much larger scale yeah i think so now i want to shift gears a little bit here and talk about how a political shill is trying to engender herself to uh i guess people like us a little bit and she's been doing this for a while people have been fawning over tulsi gabbard especially after uh, her tucker carlson interview and she has actually come out and denounced the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, because of her anti-whiteness. Now, a little bit of the backstory, if you didn't catch it on the Tribune, Mayor Lori Lightfoot had banned all white reporters from individual interviews with her, and I use her loosely, because that does not look like a woman. That looks like a freak show. First openly gay and black mayor of uh, Chicago and female or something. Oh, I just, I miss the days of Rahm Emanuel. He was the one who really keeping that city in line. Now, also a little backstory. In 2020, Chicago had, what, 740 murders, 780, something like that. And this is not a big deal. You know, even though it's black people being murdered and black people doing the murdering, we just got to focus on how white supremacy is affecting all of us. And whites, the white supremacy of the press corps that is covering City Hall is just overwhelming and their biases are showing because, of course, they're critical of uh, the mayor and probably asking hard questions. So she had to step in. Also, she made a recommendation that, listen, if white reporters are going to be covering City Hall, at least have a non-white person there to kind of look over your shoulder and check your biases and everything, check your priv. So Miss Tulsi Gabbard had come out and she's standing up for white people now. The person who had all these connections to uh, people like Rabbi Boteak and others. I've covered this on the Tribune. It was a huge article exposing uh, Tulsi Gabbard. I think it was top ten reasons that she is not, you know, she's an Israeli shiller, that she's not our our guy, as it were. 
So the tweet here is, Mayor Lightfoot's blatant anti-white racism is abhorrent. I call upon President Biden, Kamala Harris, and other leaders of our country of all races to join me in calling for Mayor Lightfoot's resignation. Our leaders must condemn all racism, including anti-white. Now that actually is an insane statement because almost nobody out there has ever called for a condemnation of anti-white racism. Like everybody's just like anti-white racism, a okay, especially a Democrat. So she could be switching to uh, trying to get some Republican votes at some point. I think this is a power play. I don't think she really cares about anti-white racism, but it is good to see that the narrative have, has shifted to the point where people are are obviously recognizing what's right in front of our faces that. Uh, there is huge anti-white bias. If you were to bar any other group of people from conducting interviews with you, really? They could do it like uh, when, I think DeSantis barred everybody but Fox News for two weeks or something from doing interviews or whatever, being allowed into the press conferences. But that's a political thing. If you're just to ban black people, black reporters from doing interviews or just non-whites, oh, there'd be an international scandal. But... Lori Lightfoot, if she does it, no, nah, that's just, that's great. That's progressive. She's just trying to make room for the non-whites. Now, I'm going to finish up with a couple of stories of degeneracy here. The first one is from Columbia Prep in New York City. This is from the New York Post. The school uh, has a class on porn literacy. Parents at the posh Columbia Grammar and Preparatory School are outraged they were never told of a fourth R being added to the curriculum, raunch. In addition to the usual writing and arithmetic, the school this month launched lessons on porn without informing families or allowing them to opt out, parents fumed. When juniors at the $47,000 a year Manhattan school, geez, showed up for a health and sexuality workshop, most thought it was just going to be about condoms or birth control, a student told the Post. Instead, it was something called pornography literacy, an intersectional focus on mainstream porn. Taught by Justine Ang Font, who's the director of health and wellness at another elite prep school, Dalton. Yeah, that is another elite prep school. Uh, Now, anything with the title intersectional or the word intersectional in the title, you got to steer completely clear of. Intersectional is just basically a code word for completely anti-white, anti-cisgender, anti-normal. Intersectional is basically the Frankfurt School cultural Marxism wrapped up into one thing. It's like a battering ram against us. So, uh, continuing. The often explicit slide presentation in a lecture by Font to the 120 boys and girls included lessons on how porn takes care of three big male vulnerabilities. Statistics on the orgasm gap showing straight women have far fewer orgasms with their partners than gay men or women. And photos of partially nude women, some in bondage, to analyze what is porn and what is art. Oh my god. Font's presentation, some of which was seen by the Post, included a list of the most searched pornographic terms of 2019, including cream pie, anal, gangbang, stepmom, and more. One slide cited various porn genres such as incest theme, consensual or vanilla, barely legal, and kink and BDSM, which included waterboard, electro, torture porn as an example. 
We were all like, what? A female student said. Everyone was texting each other. What the hell is this? It's so stupid. Everyone knows about porn. The worst part of it was that it took place not long before the AP test, and I had to miss both my AP classes for this. Wow. One part of the porn presentation involves something called the marketability of OnlyFans, the hot new app used mostly for sex work. One slide included a photo of a young, pretty woman who appeared to be promoting OnlyFans-type work. Oh, my God. This is just so terrible what they're promoting to children, but that was juniors in high school. Let's now take a look at what they're promoting to toddlers and preschoolers now. And I've covered this before in the past, but this is just a, a recent story. Hi, cat, trying to get on my lap. This little cat. This is a recent story about how the New York City Department of Education and PBS have teamed up to groom toddlers and preschoolers so that they become drag queens. Yes, this it's essentially hate crime to even criticize this culture of degeneracy and child grooming in today's world. That's because we're ruled over by Jewish psychopaths who have turned uh, the white world into Wimerica worldwide. That's what we're seeing. So this is uh, reading from Breitbart. The New York City Department of Education is taking heat after revela revelations that it sponsored a drag queen video series aimed at three to eight-year-old children. The series, titled Let's Learn, features a drag queen going by the name Little, Hot, Little Miss Hot Mess. The drag queen, whose real name is Harris David Harris, what, is a media personality from San Francisco, California, and bills himself as one of the first drag queens to host a reading hour for kids. I'm a drag queen and a children's book author, and you may be wondering to yourself, what on earth is a drag queen? Harris says on one of the videos before going on to define what he does. As Little Miss Hot Mess, Harris explains, drag queens, ev drag queens, everyday people who like to play, pretend, and dress up as often as we can, adding that they are leaders in our community. And if you ask me, we make pretty good role models. So that's a talking point that we see all the time. A drag demon had spoke at TEDx and said that drag is a role model for children. Yeah, I, I linked to that in this article in the Tribune. The article goes on. At one point, Harris excitedly tells his audience, I think we might have some drag queens in training on our hands. They're training these children to be drag queens. Harris goes on to read from his book, The Hips on the Drag Queen Go Swish, 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 which is performed to the tune of The Wheels on the Bus Go Round and Round. So they are openly grooming children, and they're using children's books and classic songs to do so. This is so sick. These children are so young and impressionable. And what are they grooming them to be? Well, to be sex workers, to be strippers and sexual deviants, just like we saw in that video from the L.A. nightclub where they have these masked young blonde children uh, being groomed to be strippers as they accept money as they're out at a nightclub uh, up there with a drag queen. And one little piece to finish out that article. Uh, the series was hosted by the Department of Education in partnership with PBS member station WNET uh, TV. But the PBS outlet says they, they just aired it. They had nothing to do with the actual production of the series. Yeah, you still aired it, PBS. So it's obvious what's going on here, but people just um, are too cowardly to oppose it. Mainly because all the biggest institutions of our country are promoting it. Kaiser Permanente uh, Insurance had said that drag demons have the right to indoctrinate young children. I linked to that article I did a while ago. It's backed by the biggest, most powerful elements of our society. 
Another story I linked to in this article is about how uh, some Scots got pretty pissed after an X-rated drag demon called Flowjob read to children as young as four alongside a Scottish Nationalist Party MP. So it's just not politically correct to protect children anymore. It's politically correct for these drag demons to promote perversion and groom little children at local libraries. They're celebrated as heroes, as liberators. At one local library, they read to children uh, a book called What Color Is Your Underwear? It's just so sick. And so many of these disgusting freaks have been convicted of child sex crimes. So it's obvious that they do not like children. They're not doing this because they like reading to children. They're doing this to groom these children, and they like children the same way that a lion might like a young or injured gazelle. It's just so infuriating what is allowed to happen to children. From the masks that they're being forced to wear, to the Holocaust classes with all the trauma-based mind control, to this disgusting degeneracy. It's a travesty what has happened to children. All right, guys, that's all I've got for you here this week. Thanks so much for tuning in to Renegade Broadcasting and my show, The Solar Storm. Really do appreciate you listening. It is our duty to protect the young, the vulnerable, and the old and the vulnerable, and all of the elements of our society that really need protection. We need to inform them. We need to go after the people who are poisoning us mentally. I've got a cat rubbing its face against uh, the... Yes, thank you. Thank you. You can stop doing it. All right. Well, it's time for me, guys, to get off the air. Take care. I'll be back with you soon. Buy some stuff from heathenherbs.com. Class white, the feathers head with.